we have seen um, something shift in the church and in the atmosphere in the last couple of months especially. We have entered into um, the season of, of favor and faith. I'm going to say that again. We have, we have entered into the season of favor, favor and faith. What I'm getting ready to tell you today could be the most important thing you hear all year long. The message that I have to communicate to you today, Lord help me that I do it in a way that everyone can get and run home with and, and, and run forward with. What I have to communicate to you today is probably the greatest and most important message that I have ever preached in the history of being a part of this church. It is that important. It's a message that's just not one thing and you can grab it and shut down on me. You're going to have to hang with me today because you're going to have to hear the whole thing. We're going to have to discipline ourselves today to listen because it's that type of message. But if you will stick with me today, I really believe you will walk out of here with a fresh perspective and understanding how to walk into a season of faith and favor over your life. Now, the reason I'm preaching this this morning is this. I have seen the church walk into, in the last couple of months especially, but it's been happening, it started happening in Harvest House about four years ago, and then it was prophesied that the church would step into a season of faith and favor. Faith and favor. Um, that just like God showed the spotlight on what Harvest House was doing, that it was time for the same favor of God and spotlight to happen for the church. We have seen that begin. I can't get into all the ways, but we've seen it begin. It's amazing the doors that are opening up. They will blow your mind at the doors that are opening up for us as a church to step into. We're in that. Recently, in my own life, I have stepped into, my wife hopefully isn't here because she's going to laugh when I use this word, but I've stepped into my own personal life, a season of favor, personally. I'm not talking about finances, because I'd have new shoes on if I had new finances, all right? Uh, I've stepped into a, a personal season of favor. I cannot tell you how much in the last uh, three months that, that literally the Lord has just, just neat little things just to tickle my fancy that God has done and opened doors. It's literally like everywhere God's placed me personally recently, every open door that could possibly happen or be there is there. I can't explain it. Now, the reason I'm preaching this today is not for me because I'm entering into that. I'm, I'm like, Lord, if you're going to do it for the church, you're going to do it for me too. The reason I'm preaching this today is because the train is leaving the station and we're heading into a season of favor and faith. And I don't want you to personally be left behind. Yeah, all aboard. Are you with me? I want you to get on the train. I don't just want to prosper and go forward and accomplish more and more and more for the kingdom of God as a church. I want to see it happen in your life. I don't want you to be left at the station going, well, it looks like they're having a good time. No. It's time collectively, not just as a church, but personally in your life, that we walk into a, that season of faith and favor. In Luke 2, chapter, 50, or chapter 2, verse 52, it says, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus entered into a season, 
he was, a, he was a boy at this time, where he began to increase in wisdom, increase in stature, and increase in favor. These things, these increases of these things, we're going to focus on favor today, but these increase of these things are a season that you enter into. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. There is a season where you enter into it. It's like a train leaving a station. You either go in and get on with it, or you're left behind. There's a season. There's an open door. There's like when you, when you once a year your company uh, adds new people to health insurance or changes health insurance, there's, they call it open enrollment. It's open enrollment for favor and faith in your life right now. And so God gave me this revelation that I'm getting ready to build for you on how you can tie together some principles of the faith that you've never probably seen tied together this way. I'm not, this is not me saying, well, look at this. I want to show you something that God gave me that I even built slides for it because I don't want you to miss it. That if you walk through what I'm getting ready to show you, you're going to understand how to walk in the favor of God in your life and why and how it works together and how it ties into God's promise and word for our life. So let's start with um, the idea that favor is a gift and it can increase, okay? Favor is a gift, and it can increase. It's a gift. It's not something you earn. These things I'm going to teach you to walk through is not about earning the favor in your life. It's about recognizing and understanding the way favor comes. And it can increase in your life, which means if you are not walking in favor, you can have it, and you can see it increase in your life. Now you may be sitting there saying, what's favor? Let's start there. Favor from heaven is something that comes over your life where God begins to open doors and shift things in such a way that he makes the, the mountaintops flat and the valleys are raised so that some of the, the difficulties, the hurdles, the struggles, the resistance that you normally experience in your life, you begin to see God remove and God begins to pour into your life things that you never imagined he was going to do in an accelerated period of time. Does that sound good to anybody? Oh, I'll get you. I'll get you. It's all right. We got babies running around everywhere. It's good. It's all good. <laughs> so um, I'll, you've probably heard this before. My mom has said it plenty of times. And, but, but favor isn't fair. We know that because God favored Joseph above his brother's. God favored Jacob over Esau. And there's countless examples in the Word of God where God shows favor over somebody or something that he doesn't show to the people around him. Favor isn't fair, which means you could go to work and your coworker who you love and are ministering to and want to see God move upon their life, they may not be experiencing the same level of favor you have which makes for an interesting work environment. Favor isn't fair. Favor is a gift. Favor can increase, and favor isn't fair. Now let's begin to see how this works in our life. Zechariah 4.7. Just remember that. Take favor and stick it off in a far corner of your mind, and we'll go back to it in a little bit. Where are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain 
and he will bring forth atop the stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And there's a lot of scriptures in the word of God that talk about grace. I like this one because it says grace twice. It's like, it's like whatever you think about grace, double it. It's like super abundant grace. Grace. You know, I love the scripture that says that his grace is sufficient. Some of this translation says it's more than enough, which means that I don't know if you've ever uh, like uh, been um, at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Um, some of you, I know you have. Just throwing that out there. Um, you probably are guessing I have a time or two. Um, and if you go to all-you-can-eat buffet, there's a point where you literally feel like if you're going to have one more grain of rice from that Chinese buffet, you could potentially go into cardiac arrest and it could be over. Has anyone ever eaten that far into their buffet? Now, at least somebody's honest around here, okay? People are like, of course I haven't. I'm everything in, in moderation, Pastor. Okay. You know when you go there, your goal is to figure out how much you're spending on it and to eat three times that amount of food, okay? Um, well, if you've ever eaten at, a, at an all-you-can-eat buffet and you've eaten and eaten and eaten and eaten and eaten, I, I, if you've ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse, that's a great example because they start bringing all that meat to you and you literally, you're like three pounds of meat in and you can feel your organs seizing up and they come by with that sword and the juice is dripping off and they're like, would you like some more sirloin? And you're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So imagine that and then double that amount over your life. It literally, as much as you can possibly physically handle, God says his grace is more than even that. Hold on, we'll get, we'll get somewhere. Acts 4.33. With great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. There's a principle that I'm going to begin to teach you about grace, and it's going to tie into faith and favor. There's a principle about abundant grace. Abundant grace is something that's been provided because of what Jesus did on the cross. Abundant grace, more than enough, the all-sufficient grace of God, that grace, grace that's talked about in Zechariah, the abundant grace that's talked about here in um, Acts 4, that abundant grace was provided because of what Jesus did on the cross. What Jesus did on the cross was a result of his love for you and I. And love and the generosity of a poured out abundant grace go hand in hand. Go with me for a moment here. Generosity and sacrificial giving and that poured out sacrificial more than enough grace of God is always tied to his love and compassion for mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave. You will always see giving and sacrificial generous uh, abundant grace poured out as a result or in connection with generosity. Someone's like, they're going to take up a third offering. This has nothing to do with your giving. This has to do with changing your heart and learning how to walk in the favor of God. You can change your heart today. Don't get caught up on, on the idea of just commonplace generosity. This is more than that. It's about changing the, your heart and the character of who you are and how you operate here on the earth. So generosity and, and, and giving and, and a sacrificial person 
that's always tied to and a direct result of a poured out love. Love and generosity are always tied together. And when you bring love and generosity together, abundant grace is poured out over us. This is what happened on the cross. It was his generosity and his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And through that, his abundant grace was poured out on all mankind. See, this is all tied together. His love, generous, sacrificial, and the grace of God are all tied together. Are you with me? We're going to build this. This is like a little brick, brick house. We're building brick by brick. Now, I'm going to show this to you. That Acts 4.33 that I just read, power of the apostles, given testimony, the resurrection of Jesus, the abundant grace was poured out of them all. We read that when we want to talk about abundant grace, but we don't read it in context. If you read it in context, you're going to see the connection between generosity, sacrificial giving, love, and abundant grace. Because if you back up a verse to verse 33, I mean 32, and the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. This is talking about living a lifestyle where it's not about me, it's about the world around me. And then, verse 33, which I just read, with great power, the apostles were giving testimony, the resurrection of Lord Jesus. See, tying in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace was poured out on them. Verse 34. So we have sacrificial generosity, living beyond yourself, living for the world around you, the whole idea of living that sacrificial life. Then we have the abundant grace of poured out. And then verse 34. For there was not a needy person among them. For all those who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Do you see the connection between the generosity of God, which was probably up there, show that slide, abundant grace, and then the generosity of God? Literally, abundant grace in this Acts. Now, you have to remember, this is one of the most important books of the Bible because it is what we're living today is the continuation of this book. And Acts is really showing us the way that the modern Christian community or church is supposed to function. And so we actually see that the abundant grace of God that's poured out on the apostles is literally sandwiched between sacrificial generous giving and sacrificial generous giving. Specifically, listen to me, because you're going to, this is not, what's happening right now over this church is not just like a coincidence. Specifically when it comes to, for there was not a needy person among them. I, I just want to just, just all contain myself. When you take care of the needy around you, you enter into a covenant with God where his abundant grace is poured out over your life. So what the church is beginning to experience and walk into, this season of favor, is not just like, well, I guess it's our time. Like fall's coming. There's nothing you can do to stop it. We're entering into it because we have sacrificially sown into the needy and the ones that could never give anything back. This is a principle that's operated here. For instance, when the market crashed in 2007 or 2008 and our giving went down 40% overnight, 
Think about your home budget at home. Because we have the same type of bills here. Electric and water and, you know, all that stuff. Our, our income here at the church, our, what people were giving, went down 40% overnight. Like, boom, like a faucet. Just whoosh. When that happened, we tripled our missions giving. Tripled. Then we bought this piece of property a couple years ago. And we're trying to prepare and get ready and find the money to build the type of building that we believe that God wants to use to reach that community over there. Instead of focusing on squirreling away every penny, we've quadrupled our capacity to serve our community through Harvest House. We have basically done everything that a church business consultant would tell you not to do. Our food bank now is operating at a, at a level that we have never operated before. The amount of food that comes in and goes out and the amount of families that we're serving is exponentially increased in the middle of what is probably the lowest key building, whatever you call it we're doing, that I've ever seen in a church. You barely hear about it, essentially. There's no, like, charts with the big red thing popping out the top, all that. Literally in the middle of believing God for $4 million to build over there on that property and another $100,000 to renovate what's already there. In the middle of all that, we expand exponentially our ability to serve the needy. And then we see the abundant grace of God poured out. Do you see the connection? So we could have probably, whoa, just, you just knocked three people out. Here's the deal. Check this out. Check this out. If we would have squirreled away every penny we could have, starting back whenever we decided we're going to build on that property, property, we might have a couple hundred thousand dollars, if we're lucky. If we would have squirreled away every penny. I mean everything. No offense to the squirrels. But if we just would have hoarded it, like those dirty, those dirty elevated rats, those squirrels. If we would have done that, we would have had a couple hundred thousand dollars. Meanwhile, God steps in with really what is a completely random thing with a community foundation that we get the harebrained idea of approaching with an idea that really works, a family foundation here that works, Baycross, and say, hey, would you partner with us? And they first agree to give us a million and a half and then agree to give us not a million and a half, but $2 million. You see, if we would have done what everyone thinks this is, the, this is the smart thing to do, then we would have never entered into a season of abundant grace and supernatural favor over this house. That's why in your own life, when this goes, well, I've got to make sure I've gotten this and this, and you're on Dave Ramsey's plan, which is great. We love Dave and all this, and make sure this 10% and the little extra reserve over here, and it all makes sense. And then an opportunity comes up for you to love somebody around you in a way that doesn't fit into your little plan. You need to look at what's happened here and go, wait a second. Do I believe that God's abundant grace has poured out over my life or not? Do I believe that as much as I could possibly handle, he's pouring out even more? Because if I do, I don't live myself squirreling away like a little, you know, waiting for the winter and I, it's going to get thin around here and I'm just going to make sure I have everything together. It's a different mindset. It's a different way of living. It's a shift in your understanding. Let's keep going. Now, I'm going to teach you something and this is where it all comes together. Put up that graphic on the screen. It's true, man. With the next one. 
The double, there it is. You like my fancy graphics, don't you? This is what happens when it's 1130 at night and I say, I need to make a visual out of this. Um, so I was feeling very pink last night. I don't know why, but I just was. Uh, it's actually, it's more pink, but the, the projectors got, got issues, apparently. Um, all right, so, so this is how it works. I want to show you this. Focus on me for a moment, then you can look at this screen. Love and generosity always precede receiving the abundant grace that was, that was afforded to us by the cross. When we receive God's abundant grace, we are a, when we believe that his abundant grace is available, you will always live your life in a sacrificial way. In other words, if you have faith and believe that God's abundant grace is available for you, you will live your life differently. Faith without works is dead. I'm going to tie all a bunch of concepts that you've been told together in one big nutshell here. Faith without works is dead, which means if I believe that his abundant grace has been poured out of my life, I will do something about it in a practical way. In other words, I will put works with my belief that creates faith, a live faith. I activate the faith of God. It becomes alive in me when I do something based on my belief system. And if I believe that God's grace is more than I could ever handle, and he's poured out more than I could ever receive, then I will act differently to the world around me. I will pour out of myself knowing that he's a limit, unlimited God with unlimited resources pouring into me. And when I pour out into the world around me, I position myself to step into the season of favor. Do you see what I'm saying here? Favor always comes because I have the faith to believe that his abundant grace has been poured out. And in order to, in order to say that I believe that the abundant grace has been poured out, I have to live a life of love and generosity. You see what I'm saying here? His love and generosity are activate, the activator for faith. The, the activator for faith to believe that the abundant grace of God has been poured out of my life. And when I see that flowing through me, when I say, God, because I believe your abundant grace over my life is real, and I pour out my love on others, and I pour out my, what I have, whatever resources I have to the world around me, and I see a need, and I meet it, and I don't worry about how, how it's going to come back to me, because I know that your abundant grace is there over my life, and you're a more than enough God. When you live that way, you step into a season of favor. See, God has a favor that he wants to pour out over your life, but he needs to know that you believe that his abundant grace is sufficient for you. Well, you say, how do I do that? You do that by activating your faith, by putting practical hands and feet to the belief system that you have that his abundant grace is available for you. And that is a fancy way to say this. When you have faith in the abundant grace that is resting on your life, you prepare and position yourself in front of the king and give him an opportunity to pour out favor over your life. It's told most perfectly in the story of Queen Esther. And we're going to read this very quickly. Verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5. Dave, you're preaching. You are <laughs> I stole this from you like six years ago. You just forgot that you preached it. <laughs> it's told in the story of Queen Esther, verse 1. Now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's rooms. Now listen to me. You do not put on the royal robes and go into the inner courts of a king unless you believe that you have a certain favor with him. You do not prepare yourself 
with the robes and position yourself in the inner courts of the king unless you believe that you have favor with him. In other words, she put action to the idea that she believed she had favor with the king. Listen, you sneak into the inner courts of the king and you don't have favor, he'll kill you. You'll be the next one hanging from a rope. That's what they did. You don't sneak into the palace of the inner courts of the king if you don't have favor with him. She was so confident that she had favor with the king that she prepared herself with the robes and she positioned herself in the inner courts. And this is what we see here. King was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. When the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, Listen to this. When the king saw Esther positioned and prepared in the inner courts, what? She obtained favor in his sight. Now you can think this is just about a story about some far off queen and a king and, and that just whatever, it doesn't apply to our lives. That's fine. But folks, this is a picture into our relationship with the king of kings and the Lord of lords the one who is pouring out abundant grace and favor over our lives. If you are willing to position and prepare yourself in the king's inner courts, in other words, if you're willing to put your neck on the line because you're so confident that what he said in the abundant grace poured on your life is true, that then, then, then the Bible says that he will see that. He will see that, she, wait a second, she believes she has favor with me. She believes that the abundant grace that I have, that the power that I have is available to her. She actually believes this. Look at her in her robes, in my inner courts. Do you notice there's a certain air about the people that walk around and seem to have favor? There's a certain air. It's not, I'm not talking about, it's not, um, it's not haughty. It's not proud. There's a certain air to people that are walk. you know, people, people when, when people who, who are the exact opposite, that are living for me, get around the people that are walking in that divine favor and allowing things to flow through them and love and give to the world around them and all of that, and they have that confidence knowing who Jesus really is in their life. When, when those folks get around each other, the person that lives for me, me, me cannot stand the other person. There's this thing that happens, and they get mad and angry, and they'll say to me, I just don't even know what the, he's just this, that, and I just, and they just, they just, Look at him, look at him, and they look at her. She just walks in here like she just owns the place. Well, Queen Esther walked into the inner courts like she owned the place. She walked in like she had a place there. She walked in lacking like she was royalty. She didn't stick on her, you know, you know, you know, I know you ladies, you have the 90s that you wear when somebody's gonna see you. You have the 90s when you don't expect anybody to come to the door. And that one 90 is 20 years old and faded and ratty and has holes in it. And you look like Aunt Jemima, you know, and Richard Simmons had a baby, had curly hair. You, no. And then there's the other, the robes, where I believe that someone might see me. I was out the other day. I don't know where I was. Oh, it was in, it was in um, when we were away in New York City. I was helping my pastor friend up there. And, uh, and I met up with him, but I didn't get ready or do my hair or nothing. And I walked in the door. He said, what happened to you? He's like, did you have a rough night? I said, what do you mean? He's like, I'm just not used to seeing you unshaven, your hair looking crazy. I didn't, I didn't do nothing, just look like a fro. And, you know, I had like shorts on and, and, uh, and tennis shoes. And I mean, I wasn't courting. It was bad. There's a difference. When he looked across the room, he said, wait, she believes 
She belongs here. She believes that she has favor with me. It says, when, she no- when he noticed that, the king noticed that, then she obtained favor. In other words, she walked into favor because of her belief that she had the abundant grace and favor of the king waiting for her. When the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight. The king extended to Esther the golden scepter, which was in his hand. Esther came near, touched the top of the scepter. Then the king said to her, what is troubling you, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even to half of the kingdom, it shall be given to you. He basically said, what's, what's going on? Because what I have is yours. What? what? It's yours. Walk into it. There's a principle here that if we can get it, it's all right. You, you cried and whined one day in church too when you were little, all right? So it's what we do. There's a principle here that if you can grab a hold of it and get, we have to break the me, 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 me mentality. Do you know our entire culture, our entire culture, they say that incomes are going up. But yet, across the nation, charitable giving is going down. There's a trend, not just in churches, in almost every single organization you can think of. People are taking what they have, and they're squirreling it away, and they're saying, I don't want anybody cutting into what I've got, not just with their money, but their time, their life, everything. People will commit less. They'll do less. Every area of your life that you can give, people are giving less because the mentality and the culture around the world is changing. And it's this, what about me? I would venture to say that 90% of you don't know your neighbor's name. Think about that. We're so in our world, we don't even know who our next door neighbor is the guy across the street. When I grew up, you knew the whole street. We have a lady that lives behind us, her husband, wonderful people. Don't put this on the internet. A little strange, a little strange. Yeah, he's going to build a new building, so I need to be quiet. Well, he might, he might provide the steel for it. Bless those wonderful people. We knew them all. Our whole mentality is changing. And, and, and then we, we, we try to figure out why does it seem that nothing goes right over my life? Why does it seem that there's resistance at every turn? Why does it seem that every time I turn around, there's another obstacle to jump over? There's another difficulty to jump over. And I, I'm telling you right now, there's an opportunity for you to get on the train and leave the station into the land of favor and great faith where you can live beyond yourself and see the abundant grace of God and his favor poured out over your life. But we have to shake ourselves. We need to shake ourselves internally to realize that God put us on the earth to be a vessel that he could pour into and overflow into the world around us. And if we begin to live that life where he pours through us out into the world around us, we can begin to put 
action to the faith that we believe that he's an abundant, overflowing, more than enough God. And we can see the favor of God activated in our life, walk into that season. Because I don't want one, one single person in this room to not get on the train and go with us in the next year and a half to the land of favor and faith where we see the abundant grace of God poured out. I want every single one of you to be a part of it. It's a change in your heart. If you'll change your heart and allow this to become reality in your life, you will totally be changed. I, I, I'm going to end with this. I have seen such crazy favor in my life um, recently. And it's not big things. It's not like, it's not like you would say like, oh my gosh, you know, there's this, you know, somebody gave him a house or something crazy. It's not that. T- it's just at every turn, things. Ha- I went through a season of not favor and faith about two years ago. I don't want to get into that. But everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I've, I've told that story before. And, but God has brought my family into a f- great season of f- um, favor. And I want to tell you this. And, and it's going to happen, and it's happening in all of our lives. If you have the last, last name of minor, we're stepping into a season of favor and faith. Because the ones that don't feel that way are going to get dragged into it. And when that guy is, is now in the back, he's going to get, that's what we do in our family. We're like, you're coming along with us. Don't sit back saying, look at the miners. Looks like things are going great. Get on the train. Yes, we will. Don't do it. I was in New York City. We was up there, like I said, to help a friend out to open up a new location. This is just an example. This may not be a big deal to you, but this is just an example. So we're up there and just crazy stuff is happening. But I was just, I spent most of my time trying to pour into and help the church up there and some of the leadership and the transition going on up there and their church plant. And then we had a couple days for our family. Um, can you give me a little bit more of this, Michael, just in the front? And um, so we, I have this hobby that's very strange and you just, I won't get into it, but I'm into traditional wet shaving, which is the old school mug and brush and double edge safety razor and sometimes straight edge. I like to do the traditional wet shaving. If you shave with a cartridge, um, the Lord's upset with you. And um, <laughs> he wants you to go back to the old way. And so there's all these artisans around the world that make all these crazy, amazing soaps with just three or four ingredients and, and aftershaves and all this stuff. But n- you can only find it online. You can't go to a store and buy this stuff. The stuff you buy in the stores is the mass production stuff that are glycerin-based and it's not good for your skin and all that. So, yeah, thank you for that. And so I, I, it's, it's a hobby. I'm into it, okay? For instance, today I smell like coconut citrus sorbet. Get over it, all right? <laughs> all right. So, so listen. So there's a place. It's like the, the Super Bowl. The, it's, the, it's, the, it's the capital of wet shaving in the world for retail stores, and it's in, of course, New York City. It's in Midtown, which is the most retail place you could ever possibly get into, okay? It's, it's, it's expensive. We went there. We had, we had just enough pizza to serve me and my wife and my daughter, Lainey. M- Maddie barely ate. And we had, we had, and we had drink, a drink, and just the pizzas and something to drink, $99, okay? This is right down the street from the pharmacy that I went to that has all this wet shaving stuff. Expensive. So I go into this place. I walk in. And shelf, it's a 
entire row from top to bottom of all the stuff I like. Normally, if you find a place that has it, they have like two choices. This had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of choices. And if you know anything about me and I like to shop, I was losing it. But I did something very good. I stayed accountable. I called my wife on the phone. I said, honey, I walked, I literally walked and I went, oh my God. And I walked out and I called my wife on the phone. You can ask her this. I called, is this right, honey? And I said, honey, I need to be accountable. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I'm at this pastor's place I told you I was going to go to. She's like, yes. I said, it's insane. They've got like hundreds of different types of brushes and hundreds of, and she's like, yeah. I said, all this stuff you can only buy online. And she's like, okay, well, here's the deal. She said, um, she said, I said I need, she goes, what do you need? I said, I need a budget. She said, we don't do things that way. If you, need, if you want to buy something, buy it. You're, I mean, you're the one at the end of the, the week that has to figure it out. And I said, honey, no, no. I said, no, no, no. I said, you don't understand. I need to be accountable to you about this. It's going to get out of control. So she said, okay. And she gave me like around $100 budget, which was, which was great. I was thrilled with that. And I said, okay, I can fit within this. Well, it took me about, no joke, in one aisle, two hours never moved. Smelling, putting it back, smelling. And I just, I was like a madman. And so I finally got together what I thought was, you know, I wasn't doing the math. I just was throwing stuff in the thing. And I get to the checkout and the lady's like, um, it was like 170 or 175. I was like, I'm going to get killed. I cannot spend almost double the amount. Well, the guy that owns the place who you could tell is the type of dude that doesn't give anybody a break in anything. He comes up and he's like, um, you know, these uh, four or five items over here, I'll just give you 30% off of those. And I was like, okay, great. So the lady be ringing up and it was getting closer, but it wasn't there. I didn't tell him how much I had to spend. And then she goes, hey, I tell you what, he goes, I'll just give you 10% off of everything else too. Now, this is, folks, that may not be a big deal to you. It's Midtown Manhattan. If you need to use the bathroom, $5. I'd like a cup with water, six fifty. No joke, I bought two bottles of water for, my, for me and my wife, $8. Two bottles of water, eight bucks. And this guy's like, I just want to randomly give you discounts. I know that's a small story, but I'm telling you, there's a place in God you can go now, what, what you don't know, and I'm not going to get into, is my wife and I recently and secretly have poured out things and money and stuff that we did not have to give. We've poured out. I won't get into it all. We've, we've done it in secret. We've poured out generously and abundantly from our lives. And because of it, God is blowing our minds with how he's giving it back abundantly and overflowing. It's there. It's available. Now, in the last three months, no joke, I've probably had 20 stories like that where randomly people just did, they didn't know me from Adam, did stuff, and you're like, oh my gosh. My brother and I went and saw a show when we were in Pittsburgh. It was $175 a ticket. There was three of us. And the gentleman that was working the show, the place was sold out. I won't get into it all because I'll get crucified by Leah and my wife if I tell you the full story. $175 a ticket for this particular um, section of seating. We wanted the cheap tickets that were 30 bucks. I tipped the guy 
who was running the show, $20, even though the show was completely sold out and we watched 40 people be turned away. And he may or may not thought we were big shots, but we won't get into that. And my brother and myself and Dave, he walked us to the front and sat us in the VIP, which was $175 a ticket, the three of us, because we gave him $20. I can give you a million stories like that. And that one might have taken some coercion from me, but nevertheless, I call it favor. My wife calls it scamming, but I call it favor, okay? Because I say God gave me favor in my mind to tell that guy what I needed to tell him to get us in the door. She calls it scamming, I call it favor, but potato, potato, you know what I mean? But I, I, that's a, I just want to tell that to get them nervous, but I had, I've had a million stories like that, and the church is entering into that place, and it's time for you to enter into that place in your life. Put that up there on the screen one more time, we're going to close with this. The, the arrow one. Love, generosity, abundant grace, faith, and favor. Stand to your feet. We were in the subway station, um, and there in New York, New York City, we bought passes and so we could ride it unlimited for seven days to, to save money on transportation, and we rode it everywhere. We rode it everywhere with the baby and everything. We just jumped on the subway and went all over the boroughs. And if we need to be somewhere, we'd time it and look it up and get it and change trains and the whole deal. How many of you know that in New York City, when that subway shows up, that train shows up, when the doors close and it leaves... If you flag down the conductor and say, hey, put on the brakes, slow down. We want to get on too. As a matter of fact, there's times where people have fallen into the subway and that train couldn't stop. I think there's 50 people this year that have died on the subway because the train couldn't stop. Let me tell you, when the train leaves, it's going. And I want you to be on it in your own life. I don't want you to be sitting back saying, wow, that looks great. What's going on up there? It's time as a church that we collectively and personally enter into a season of favor and faith as we begin to learn and live a lifestyle poured out on the community, the friends, the world around us. And we can trust and put faith in the abundance grace of God and walk into favor for our life. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you, God, for this word. We thank you because, uh, like my dad said here today, this really is the message of who we are as a church. We've seen it time and time again where we've lived this out corporately as a church. And God, you've always, every single time, blown our minds at the supernatural provision and grace and favor you've poured out over us. But God, I believe it's time for this to be activated in the lives of those that are here, the lives of those that have sowed year after year, Lord, the lives of those that have um, given of themselves and their life here. God, I believe it's time that we not just see it happen corporately, but God, we see it personally and individually, that we walk into that season of favor. And so God, I'm just believing right now right now, if you need just to step into that place of favor in your life, I just want you right now just to lift your hands and just, just, just for a minute or two, we're going to receive this just as a gift from heaven. We're going to receive this understanding. So Father, right now, every hand that is raised here, God, I ask 
that you impart and give the gift of supernatural favor in their life. Lord, I ask that you begin to change and shift our hearts, that we'll begin to realize that it comes as we recognize and put faith to the abundant grace that you have over our life. God, we receive favor in this place. Lord, we're expecting crazy stories of supernatural favor poured out. Lord, we believe wholeheartedly, God, that that we can step into the season together, together as a family, together, uh, Lord, corporately as as a church, Lord, together as a community of believers, we can see your favor poured out over our lives. So God, we receive it from heaven. Lord, we ask that you split, Lord, heaven wide open and let your glory come down, the favor of God come down as we begin begin to put actions to the faith that we believe that you're a more than enough God who's provided and loved us with your abundant grace. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. As we leave here, God, let this become a reality in our lives, that it would shift our hearts and our minds. We would change the way we live. It would no longer be about me, but it would be about, Lord, what you want to do with us. So, God, I thank you in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone says, amen.